0: This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik, by progress. Hello, and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonnel, and with me today is Eric Bouchard. How you doing, Eric? Doing Good. Eric you're uh, currently working at Solar City. Uh, why don't you give us a little rundown of, of what you're what you're doing there?
1: Well, yeah, as you said I'm working at Solar City. I think I've been on the uh, the podcast before and talked a little bit about you know, the whole Solar City story and everyone probably knows that anyway. Anyone who's a geek and knows a little about Tesla, Solar City and SpaceX probably has a little bit of idea of where these companies came from, but I think the most exciting thing that's happened in the last since we've talked last which is probably in the summer uh but the most exciting thing is that you know tesla acquired our company and today i can actually say that i'm a solar city uh i'm a solar city tesla employee <laughs> so uh yeah that's pretty cool you know uh, i had always told my boss that uh you don't have to worry about me leaving solar city unless I get a job at Tesla. So, uh, he doesn't have to worry about me leaving. ever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so a wholly owned subsidiary of Tesla motors to be,
0: to be businessly yeah. accurate. <laughs>
1: yes. To be accurate. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I, work basically, uh, in, in, in the part of the company that deals with, uh, internal line of business applications, I like to work on rate plan and utility uh, stuff. So, you know, obviously you can assume that a company that puts solar panels on your roof and works with cool companies like Nest and Tesla that um, we have, you know, we definitely want to know all that we can about uh, all the utilities all over the country and what their rate plans are. and How they take how we can take advantage of time of use for our customers. Uh, That's really big stuff. Uh, and you know, I think I think over the next few years, maybe even less, you're going to see lots of big changes in just how everyone in America gets their energy and how we fuel our cars and how we get around, and maybe even be less dependent on on oil at some point in time. You know, that's that's yeah. pretty much why I work here too. that's it's, it's, it's why I was so interested in working with these companies?
0: Yeah. Without getting too political, I mean, I think uh, regardless of what administration is in office and what you feel their, um, their outlook on green technologies is going to be, I think it's undeniable that, uh, the consumers themselves are looking more into green technology. So we're going to see more and more of, uh, what your, your company, uh, uh, City and Tesla is doing, um, in regards to, uh, cleaner energy and, uh, um, vehicles that run on electricity rather than fossil
1: fuels and whatnot? Yeah, well, I think the most interesting thing that I think that you kind of pointed out there is that um, you can't stop with the momentum that's already going. It doesn't matter what uh, who's in office, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican. Um, it, it, I think it, it's like analogous to trying to, you know, a human trying to walk out and stop a moving train. You know, it might be a slow moving train, but it's it's moving. And I think that there were even some news stories pretty recently that said that uh, solar energy is now on par or cheaper than what you can uh, get out of uh, oil. So at at, at this point, it doesn't—it's not about politics anymore. It's about dollars. So um, yeah, I just don't—I just don't see uh, a lot of people are getting uh, you know their feathers ruffled about um, you know maybe Donald Trump or something. But I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I think. And I don't think it's uh, that one party is necessarily better for green technology than the other, especially now that, uh, again, the companies are starting to move in that direction because it makes sense uh, dollar-wise, not just because of political or or moral reasons.
0: Yeah, it's what the consumer markets are, are advocating and pushing for.
1: Yeah, and the whole world is going in that direction as well.
0: Good to see. Good and fun stuff uh, for us to talk about too. Uh, So, what are some of the things uh, that you're working on uh, development-wise right now?
1: I mean, mostly, uh, like I said, line of business applications. But you know, one of the departments that I work in, we we deal with a lot of legacy software and trying to transition that software over into more modern technologies. So, um, we do work with a lot of Microsoft and .NET. Uh, applications. So, you know, my day to day, I might uh, come in and work on a web forms application which manages some, you know, utility rates or something. Uh, kind of work on syncing that data. But then maybe later, I'm working on an MVC application, and maybe the next day, I'm working on creating a new feature that I can write in uh, Aurelia or Angular, or React, and utilize a, a web API backend that's Maybe an old, old .NET web API, or maybe it's a, a new .NET Core web API that I'm, I'm building as you know, something new. So kind of work all over the place uh, in in the ASP.NET stack and even on the front end stack. Uh, so I, I guess I, you could say I'm, I'm kind of full stack. But, um, you know, some of the bigger challenges we've had lately are definitely taking some of those legacy applications and uh, instead okay. of kind of rewriting them. You know, refactoring them is kind of where we start at, so that we have business to maintain here. You can't just always rewrite everything. When you deal with smaller websites, as as a freelancer, I used to be able to do that stuff. But working for a bigger company, I'm sure everyone knows that you gotta kind of work with what you got. And uh, so, so yeah. But I'm I'm able to keep keep myself abreast of all the new technology, and you know, I'm a big advocate of Aurelia and uh, Web API. I mean, those are if I could have have it my way, I'd I'd work in those two technologies all day and have a little bit of back end, a little bit of front end every <laughs> day.
0: So you find yourself uh, refactoring for uh, code cleanliness, or more to uh, update the applications and, and get those uh, refactored and, and slowly migrated to newer systems.
1: Yeah, I think. Um, Solar City. Uh, I think it's fair to say that at one point was a startup and at another point became a big company. And I'm sure that anyone who's worked in a startup and anywhere, doesn't matter where you're from, um, knows that, you know, you start off with five or six devs and you're, 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 you're building an application and then maybe not unit testing all the time, maybe do a little bit of unit testing here, but then, you know, Joe's over here and he's not doing any unit testing and and uh, the code kind of gets a little mangled at some point in time. So uh, eventually, when when systems start getting bigger, and then there's other parts of the system that are a lot newer, you know, there's that one little section of code that maybe uh, just always worked, and then you want to go step into it and and um, maybe document the API so that you can switch it over to semantic versioning and realize that oh crap, I'm going to have a really hard time documenting this API just because of the way it's written. Uh, or, or maybe I want to write documentation for that API so some of the other departments can uh, see what's going on and, and and know how to you know be able to walk up to that thing and figure out what they can get out of it. And um, so that is pretty much the reason why we're doing a lot of refactoring on some of our applications. Uh, and you know, a lot of other work that I'm doing is you know just learning how to properly. We look like a, a new web API and do as, you know, do as much automation as possible when it comes to documentation and versioning uh, continuous integration uh, and deployment. So, you know, that's where we all would like to get. And, you know, on some of the newer projects we start on, it's easy to get there on. And then we got these legacy applications, which we got to kind of massage a little bit and, and uh, you know, untangle a little bit. So <laughs> It's fun because you get to work on you get a little bit of work on a little bit of everything, and you know, some people don't like that kind of work, but I really do, um, and that's why I probably work in this department. Um,
0: yeah, I think but- there's quite a few people out there in the developer industry that that work on smaller teams, and you know, you you mentioned a few things that cross over into other areas like DevOps and uh, stuff like that. So th- there's there's a lot of developers out there that wear a lot of hats these days.
1: Absolutely. I've been wearing a few different hats lately. Um, m- most most recently, um I don't know why, but they they asked if anyone wanted to be a scrum master and for some reason I raised my hand and thought it would be easy because I was reading a scrum book. And uh so I gave up a, a little bit of developer duties to do that, but you know that that's that was an interesting uh <laughs> path that I've taken more recently. Um and I think it's it's helping me to understand how to write software better so that's kind of one of the reasons that i that i did it i knew that hey i can get some project management skills here and uh, maybe understand how to organize our sprints better you know we, we had been doing kind of half scrum on our team and half agile and, and kind of said listen in order for us to get better productivity and you know monitor our velocity we really need to start doing this the right way and we need to have a you know, an actual Scrum Master and an actual project owner. So yeah, you know, a lot of our other teams were already doing it. Our teams just kind of uh, felt that we needed to kind of get up to their level. So yeah, that that's that's been fun. Um, it's also been very uh, very complicated at the same time at being a developer and trying to do this, some of those Scrum Master duties and kind of manage the two and, and know how much time to spend on which ones. Uh, A lot of our other Scrum Masters here are not developers at all, so that's kind of challenging.
0: Yeah, and, you know, if you're looking at um, advancing your career, I mean, these are the types of things that uh, people take notice of. Uh, If you're the one that's sticking your neck out to learn uh, Agile or or do some DevOps or, uh, you know, do something that's outside of your normal activities, it kind of uh, shed some light on, on you and uh, the importance that you play in yeah. the company.
1: I was just talking to one of my developer buddies the other day and I said and he's he's actually a, a scrum master too that's why we're talking to each other and I said you know at the very least I'm going to learn how to uh, manage some of our projects and man- manage the time that we work on, on our code and, and how we do it a little bit better and it, it can't hurt your resume to Put on there that you you were a scrum master for a period of time, or maybe uh, for a long time. Um, I feel like you know longevity at a company, uh, maybe a, a scrum master or agile methodologies, uh, project management, DevOps, all that kind of stuff. And uh, while you're also a developer, is definitely shows that you've you've taken initiatives to go above and beyond, and hopefully I benefit from it somehow. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I always use this horrible analogy that I hate, but it works. And uh, it, it's because I have kids, and they watch a lot of Disney Channel. And I tell people, you know, you have to be the Disney child star uh, developer today. You know, you have to be able to sing, you have to be able to dance, and you have to be able to act. You can't just do one thing really well. Sometimes you can, but, you know, if you if you really want to get ahead these days, you kind of have to do more than one uh, thing and do those things well. So... You have to get out there whether it's it's writing a blog or doing some agile you have to do something outside of just write code
1: absolutely uh i i learned it all from john sonnez i read his book soft skills and uh, you know listened to all his videos and had him help me with my resume whenever i was trying to get a job and you know one of the, a couple of things i learned from that guy were you know get out there you know write a blog every week make sure you if you're not doing it every week, make sure you're putting out a story or, or, or a, a blog post every month. Uh, get out to the meetups. Um, take on additional responsibilities. Uh, demand higher pay. All, all this stuff. So, yeah. Um, and a lot of it is, you know, doing extra. And, and then, uh, obviously, making sure that you're getting paid for doing those extra things. So, it's definitely helped my career out.
0: And when you do those things you get to work at fun companies that make uh solar technologies and uh electric cars and and cool gadgets like that, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So what are the, some of the cool things you you guys have been um have been doing lately um have been working with um any uh like solar tech that's that's been interesting to you?
1: Um you know, mostly we leave really the solar technology actual, you know, gear technology up to the guys. Uh, we've got, we we uh, acquired a company a while back called Zep Solar, and those guys do most of that work. But, you know, just since I've, since I've started working here, I definitely have learned a lot more about just how uh, utilities and power companies and rate plans work. And, you know, at, at first it didn't seem like it was a very sexy job, but um, I think uh, when I started working, doing some work with Nest, which Nest has a cool program called Time of Savings. If you if you uh, have a, a Nest thermostat and you have uh, solar panels on your roof, and maybe you're a Solar City customer, um, I don't know if they work with any other solar companies, but we can take advantage of uh, knowing when those time of use rates change. And help you to maybe alert you whenever you're running your air conditioner at a time that is uh, not optimal, or maybe you're going to be gone and you've got pets in your house and you want to, you know, keep things the right temperature and also maybe spend money at the right time and not the wrong time. You know, uh, we've been able to supply them with some data that helps them with that time of, time of savings. You know, that's definitely something that that uh, they have out there and that we've helped out with. and probably one of the cooler things that I've worked on. Um, yeah, I w- wish I had more to talk about with, with, the, with merging with Tesla and saying that I've worked on cool stuff with them. But, you know, I, I really haven't. It's been business as usual since the merger. And uh, I think even if I, if I had worked on something cool, I probably wouldn't have been able to talk about it. But, um, <laughs> That's usually you know. how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> but since I, you know, I've, I've definitely learned a lot. Just, you know, I lived in Florida before I moved out here to uh, Mountain View. And just living in this area and working for some of these companies, you start to learn a lot about all the different electric cars, and you definitely see them all over the place. Uh, People out here uh, have those types of vehicles, and they're they're very abundant. I've I've gone other places since I've lived here. Um, I've been to Oklahoma City. I've been to uh, back to Florida, Orlando, Tampa, and you know I've definitely noticed. That when you're outside of this area, there's kind of less electric cars, less solar, um, and it's interesting just how much you kind of pick up and learn from being out here. So that's that's really been exciting, and I've, I've a lot of the stuff that I know is just from being a geek, and you know, I've, I've always kind of uh, looked into Elon Musk and Tesla and Solar City and SpaceX and try to follow these companies and learn as much as I can. And I, I definitely was able to put some of that information to use working here and just just being knowledgeable of it all. So, yeah. There,
0: there always seems to be something cool happening in that sector. Um, like, I remember turning on um, a live stream a couple months ago and seeing the solar shingles thing. I thought that oh, was yeah. really
1: neat. I was actually at that event. Um, it's Universal Studios in the back lot of Universal Studios, the same place where they film – uh, I think Desperate Housewives, uh, a couple of those shows, uh, Animal House. There's this, there's a little back set there, and it's a whole row uh, of a row of houses, uh, and basically what happened is we showed up to the event, and I didn't even realize at first that all the houses had uh, solar panels on them, the the solar shingles. I just wasn't, I I knew about the technology. I knew knew what I was going to see, but for some reason, it just didn't hit you until, you know, Elon got on stage and started talking about it and said, you know, by the way, all these houses uh, are outfitted with solar. And you kind of look around and you're like, wow, uh, you know, I I didn't, I didn't really notice. You know, they've got, they had one house, a big white house with a couple Teslas out front. Uh, that had like the Tuscan glass tiles on it. You know, another one had, I guess, their smooth glass tile product. Uh, they kind of, you they took a car, co- uh, you know, the little cameras. That, uh, that's one thing you can see from watching is They they have the really cool universal cameras kind of sweeping through and taking pictures of all the houses. And the coolest one was this one house that had these slate glass tiles on it. And you would not have thought that these things were solar uh, solar cells and had solar cells in them. And he gets on stage and he kind of tilts it at a certain angle and bam, you can see right through what looks like kind of chipped slate glass tile. And it's just, it's just, uh, I don't know what the process they use for putting it It's It's a dipping process that they dip the glass in and, and forgive me for not remembering the name of this, but if anyone maybe uh, has ever had, uh, like, they they, they they dip guns and then they dip parts of cars and this stuff and it's just a film that kind of sits over the glass and, uh, and and it gives it the appearance of, you know, whatever you want. You can have, like, a logo on there, but they do this really cool slate glass tile uh, pattern and, yeah, you, you tilt the thing sideways and, bam, there's a little solar cell sitting right in the middle and I'm assuming that these are all hooked up from underneath with uh, uh, and, and they go out to your inverter and then got the the power wall sitting right next to the inverter. Uh, So just everything you needed was in this presentation to kind of have an off the grid home Uh, or even better, you know, maybe you're taking advantage of time of use uh, rate plans or, uh, or you're, you know, getting solar during the day. And I think the big thing in the future will be that you can kind of at night use like one of those Tesla power walls to, to power your home at night so that you can, uh, not have to draw power from the, from the power company. Um, I don't know how close we are to, for that being a reality, but I know in some states already that that makes sense. And, of course, it also makes sense if you are completely off the grid. So just totally cool stuff coming uh, uh, from, from that presentation that I think in the next few years we're going to see a lot of people taking advantage of these uh, solar roofs. And it's it's going to be really cool to work here and be a part of it.
0: It's really like interesting. You mentioned that um, they did that at Universal Studios. Um, yeah, I'm like a, a, a kind of a history geek, and it I was just reading about this the other day because it's one of the things that I'm kind of uh, slightly obsessed with. Is um, this used to be Disney's uh, area of expertise? It's like picking up these uh, futuristic things and putting them on display yeah. and uh, Monsanto. The home of the
1: future, to, right?
0: Yeah, the the home of the future uh, in Disney, and it was an attraction. Um, it's funny to see the transition from, you know, Disney to uh, Universal Studios like that, but they, they had a similar thing. Like it was this plastic house uh, for people of a newer generation that might not know about this. It was a plastic house that was um, created by Monsanto and uh, they built this plastic house because plastic was a new thing, and um, they made pretty much everything in the house entirely of plastic. So all the dishware, the uh, fabrics for all the furniture, um, all of it, just plastic okay. here or there. And there was like something like 27 different types of plastic they used uh, to create the floors, ceilings, walls, the whole nine yards. And um, it... It eventually went out of style because, uh, it, you know, plastic's not a new thing anymore, uh, and they decided to tear it down, and it was supposed to be like a one-day project to tear this thing down. And they got the wrecking ball out and swung it, and it bounced off. <laughs> it bounced off. <laughs> and it took them two weeks to uh, actually disassemble it and and take it down. Uh, but that attraction's gone, and and you won't see that anymore at Disney, but it's, it's funny to hear... You know, Universal Studios and other similar type of um, a venue. Uh, it reminds
1: stuff. me of, and I don't know if you ever heard this, but there is a uh, now. Were you what what Disney are you talking about? Or Orlando or over here in California? Uh,
0: it was in California because the Orlando Disney didn't come about until I think sixty something. And okay, uh, that well, that was kind of old hat by the time the the Orlando Disney opened.
1: What's interesting is that I lived in. Orlando, South Orlando. And there was a, a, on 192 in Kissimmee, as you would kind of head out to Disney World, there was this place called Xanadu Home of the Future. And when I first moved here in 99, me and my buddies used to go to this place and it was abandoned. And it was, but if you ever do it, if you do a search for Xanadu Home of the Future, it is totally like this, uh, this dome shaped house. There was a tree, like uh, not a, a real tree, but like a tree structure in the middle of it. There were television screens and all the walls and you know eventually it, it got like broken down and probably cr- came like a crack house or something but it was like it, it was this cool little house that sat on the side of the road for so long and eventually they went to go tear it down and they had very similar <laughs> uh issues with trying to trying to tear this thing down because it was just it was it wasn't conventional building materials and uh i believe that that the sign that says Xanadu Home of the Future still sits on the side of 192 today, or at least it did when I moved out there about a year, year and a half ago. But uh, you can definitely Google that, and I I think you'll see some of the same kind of ideas there that they had with the Home of the Future at Disney. That's
0: great uh, stuff.
1: Everyone from Central Florida kind of knows this place. I think I even worked with a guy one time. We built a a Facebook page or a MySpace page for it just as a joke, and uh, it it lives on through the internet somehow.
0: I love the historical stuff like that. We we don't have a whole lot of interesting history here in the US, so we, we have to geek out to,
1: to goofy stuff yeah, like this. A weird house on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> a lot of, a lot of people don't realize that, but I mean it's like you're talking about three hundred years of history in the United States versus elsewhere where there's you know a lot lot longer of a timeline going on. So we, we happen to focus on some weird stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> oh man um so you know we're talking about futuristic uh stuff why don't we talk about some um some of these uh self driving cars and and uh you know electric cars and and things that uh you know you may you may not be directly involved in like you said but uh, the company as a whole kinda has their their fingers and all well, that i haven't stuff. tended.
1: I've attended some of the self... There's a, a lot of self-driving car uh, meetups around here, and I've attended a few of them just to sit and listen. I think one, the first one I went to was at Nissan. Nissan was hosting it. Just, just so interesting to sit around and, and, and listen to people talk about the technology, and it's mind-boggling where we're going to be in about a year from now. Um, and I'm not talking about just Tesla. I'm talking about... Now, now Tesla definitely... Uh, got a lot of the other car companies into doing this. And I I feel like they've accelerated uh, our path to uh, sustainable uh, energy and driving and self-driving and and everything. But um, you know, Google has been doing it for a long time or maybe I should say Waymo. I think that is when I watch the, I live in Mountain View. So I believe that Mountain View is the, the most Google mapped and driven roads. And uh, you know, they've got more 3d maps and, in uh, mountain view and Palo Alto than probably anywhere else in the world, because that's kind of where Google's headquartered and where Tesla was headquartered. So, uh, but yeah, I, I believe the cars have a, a new logo on them now from Google that says Waymo. I think Waymo is their self-driving uh, sector of their company. But uh, I guess where I'm going with this is that, you know, just going to some of the meetups that you're only going to find here in, in, in the mountain view area. And, uh, Kind of watching some of the technology that's happening and, you know, I, I put a, a deposit down or I guess I have a reservation on the Model 3. I'm very excited about that. I mean, you know, who who, who 10 years ago would have put, uh, you know, a deposit down on a car as a placeholder for a car that they've never seen, never driven? Uh, you know, a lot of people had, uh, uh, you know, were putting those deposits, or, were, or had their mind already made up before Tesla ever even did an unveil of those cars. I mean, it's just everything is so different now. So um, I'm yeah, just I mean, I'm so same, excited about where it's going.
0: In the same regard, like when in history have people lined up around the block to buy a telephone?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know that, we we saw we started seeing that what, back in 2005 ish. You know, just yeah, the by, by that time, it was already in full effect, people waiting, you know, lines going all the way around the store, waiting a day or two ahead. I believe that whenever they uh, started making the reservations available for Tesla, that there were people online getting in line uh, a day and a half early, two days early to sit out and camp out in front of the stores. And I didn't do that. I, I watched the the presentation, and I think within a week I had put mine down. So.
0: Yeah, I haven't quite uh, gone down the the path of um, reserving any electric cars, but I will say that I did uh, lease a car recently, and the only reason I leased versus actually purchasing a car, which I normally do, is because it's just changing so rapidly. I couldn't see investing a ton of money into something that could potentially be obsolete in the next couple of years, so I went and did a a short lease instead just to see – you know, two, three years down the road, what are cars going to have equipped on them? Because, you know, there's the, the self-driving stuff. There's, uh, you know, at the very least, brake assist is becoming pretty commonplace. So it's like, why, why am I going to invest in technology that's going to be obsolete soon?
1: I think you make a good point there. And um, I think that's another thing we're going to start seeing a lot more maybe even the model three and the, and the bolts and the, well, maybe not the bolt. <laughs> um, but you know, some of these cars that are a little bit uh, harder to attain, uh, they're more expensive, right. Um, maybe doing like a year lease. And even if you can afford, uh, you know, maybe like a, a, a full model S or something, um, you know, dual motor, uh, you know, distance package that you, you know, uh, whatever you know these more expensive packages is that people may not want to keep a car that is consistently going to uh the same model is going to be having upgrades as fast as they probably are going to uh, release them with a company like tesla you know traditionally we haven't seen cars come out like software comes out so i think that that whole model lends itself well to uh leasing a car if it if that's Attractive to you. Um, I, and I think it's going to become attractive for more people than it has in the past for exactly the reasons that you stated there. You know, fear of your car being obsolete, uh, wanting to stay up on the newest technology. You know, why does everyone stand out in front of these stores for the iPhones when they come out? They want the newest uh, gadget, they want their phone to be the, the latest and greatest. And t- they typically take their older phones and give them to their kids or something, sell them. And, uh, you don't really have the option to really lease phones, I think. But I think for a car, it makes a whole lot of sense to you know, constantly stay up on whatever the latest thing is. And you know you're always going to have a payment for a car unless you – that's the type of person who pays them off, which I never have been. <laughs> I typically have always had a car payment, so maybe it makes sense at least. I haven't really thought about it, but it does make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, I've paid them off in the past, but what I, what I noticed is I was driving a car that still had a tape deck in it. Yeah. <laughs> so when I went to buy a car, I was like, all right, let let me look at the last, like, two years of this model. And it's like, okay, this one had a CD player. The next year it's got Bluetooth. The next year it's got a uh, backup camera. And then the next year it's got brake assist technology. And it's like, yeah. hang on a sec- That's a huge leap from, like, two or three models back. You're talking about CD player to, hey, this thing can stop smartly if you fail to stop. Yeah, that's a that's kind of a big difference between some onboard gadget to play music versus artificial intelligence that can help you from getting in a crash. So I was like, okay, if I extrapolate this out two, three more years, what am I potentially investing in that I'm missing out on? Right.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things we've also started seeing that's that's different is that or Tesla specifically they. They, they'll kind of put a lot of, I, I did a test drive of a Tesla last week. and I think this is why I'm, I'm talking about this is uh, I did a test drive and it was a P 100 D. So this is like ludicrous mode, everything. Uh, this car had everything, but the guy asked me, he said, uh, you know, what do you want this car to be? And I said, what do you mean? He's like, you want it to be a 65, d 65, uh, 70 kilowatt hour, 80 kilowatt hour. And he, punches in a code and all of a sudden we're driving the car like it's a you know a 70 kilowatt hour battery car and it performs like a 70 kilowatt hour car so what i'm getting at here is that these companies will start to put gear into a car that uh, or or maybe they'll sell you on a 70 kilowatt hour battery but you've got a 100 kilowatt hour battery and i don't i don't know if that's the situation here but i definitely do know that they have a, a situation where if you buy one of the lower end models, like a 60 or a 65, that it actually has like a 70 or 75 kilowatt hour. Don't quote me on those exact numbers, but
0: um,
1: <laughs> it, you know, it, it. and you can pay to get it upgraded to other batteries. So they're starting to put gear in cars uh, for one reason to maybe, maybe it's so that they can upsell you on something later, which is totally fine with me. I, I, I'm sure some people are going to be happy to find out that they have uh, more capabilities in their car, but another reason is so that they can uh, they get the gear in first. They focus on that, and then they can do over-the-air software updates, which a lot of cars can do right now. But it's usually just for like the infotainment part of the car, which gets those over-the-updates. air uh, I believe that Tesla is able to update quite a lot more than just that. Like I, I believe that they could uh, push out code that will actually. Uh, that pertains to the actual drive train or the the electric motor and how it operates or, or maybe uh, you know, you have options to like for creep modes that when you let off the brake, it starts to creep a little bit. You know, right now there's like two options there, but if they wanted to, they could roll out a release that has maybe a slider there or something. Who knows? Like it's, they can do whatever they want. They can make an on Easter, give you an Easter bunny. Uh, I heard someone say the other day, like, uh, you know, they could, Change your drive icon on your speedometer to like an Easter bunny for Easter. Uh, you can do all sorts of weird stuff, and uh, you know, but they they kind of put something out there, and then they can uh, they can upsell you later whenever you're ready, or or roll out updates, uh, uh, make that gear work a little bit different in the car, you know.
0: Yeah, just what we By need. Like, a pay to pay to win type. Um... Uh, games being transitioned into our vehicles where we we collect like gems so we can buy <laughs> <laughs> some odd oddball uh uh odometer speedometer uh <laughs> avatar type thing there was oh i don't i don't time. want to give anybody ideas
1: i believe there's a code that you could an easter egg code for christmas that tesla put out and if you sorry uh so I didn't know if you heard that audio or not, but I was pulling up YouTube (laughs) there's a Tesla model X Easter egg Christmas light show where you can type something into the, into the, I don't know where you type it into, but uh, the car will start playing a Christmas song and all the lights on the car will kind of dance to the the Christmas song. So yeah, they can do all sorts of cool stuff. Down, down,
0: left, right, left, right on a, I would not be surprised (laughs) if they had something
1: like that where you where Yeah. So instead of getting, you know, 30 lives in Contra, you get, you know, (laughs) unlock ludicrous mode or something. Absolutely. It's just cool. I mean, who who would have thought that all of this technology would be available in our cars? I mean, when we were little, we'd always, always thought that flying cars would be the thing. But instead, it's, you know, driving cars, cars that will drive themselves. I think the biggest kind of concerns that we have about that is, you know, are the car companies going to go down the avenue of creating cars that allow you to completely take your mind off of the road, or ones that assist you in driving? And I think that there's some moral implications that could come out of whatever decisions are made there. But I think it's just cool that we're moving in that direction. And we can think about those kind of things. Yeah. Possibly yeah, take I a mean, nap on the way to work.
0: <laughs> it would save a lot of uh, injuries, lives, etc. Um, I'm imag- imagine there's been one or more analysis done um, in the healthcare industry and uh, you know, determining if this was even possible that we could go to self-driving cars, what implications would it have on our healthcare system? How many resources would it free up? How many less people would be injured or, or killed each year? Um, I bet there's some pretty astonishing uh, factors in there.
1: I'm guessing in, in the short term, you know, based off of things that I've heard uh, that, you know, maybe it's like five or tenfold that, you know, things get better. Um, You know, I I can definitely tell you that I still on the way to work sometimes get cut in front of and my blood boils and I get upset. And I think to myself, man, if I, if, if the car I was driving for me, I wouldn't even feel these emotions, and so right off the bat, you know, we all know we. A lot of us have lived in these crazy cities like Miami and the Bay Area, and New York, and Chicago, and, and other big areas. It doesn't matter really where you're from. There's always people that drive like jerks, and they, and, and it and it makes other people on the world on the road that aren't typically jerks <laughs> become jerks as well. And if you just take that whole aspect out of the car driving situation, I think right there, you, you have a lot of progress and, and, and moving towards, uh, transportation, you know, private transportation where everyone's not getting hurt all the time. And, uh, then you start to take into consideration what the car can do to avoid wrecks. There was a Tesla video that was put out, I think on Elon Musk's page the other day that shows a Tesla there, a, a wreck happens in front of it. And it just slows down and pulls over to the left a little bit. And you're thinking, hey, if that's someone who is slightly distracted, they don't see that going on. They don't, they don't anticipate that happening. I mean, it looks like this car anticipated that this, this wreck was going to happen and started to s- slow down almost before the wreck even happened. Like it knew these two objects are moving into the same direction and they're going to collide. I'm going to uh, remove myself from this equation
0: yeah i i like that uh i'm part of even if it's at a very uh long distance part of an industry that's um you know working towards this type of stuff this is why i got interested in software to begin with is uh just the the limits of what we can do um are are there just aren't any i mean we we can do some pretty amazing things and Within the next couple of years, we're really going to see a lot of things turn on their head with uh, machine learning and AI, and yeah. it all, all ends up in stuff like self driving cars, all the way down to our toaster being able to tell us how to make better toast.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm ready for it. You know, again, that's why I tried to get a job at these companies is because I'm I've been ready for this stuff for a long time, and and you know, I, I want. I want to leave our kids with a better world, and I know that I'm not doing, you know, a ton of work in making that possible. But at least I can work for a company that is doing that. You know, I, I know <laughs> maybe I am. I don't. I, I don't know. We all have kind of like that imposter syndrome where we think we're making yeah, but, a lot uh, of change, but you know, just supporting these companies. Which I think just putting the, the 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 payment down for a Model Three is one way to say, hey you know, I'm voting for Tesla. I'm voting for, maybe not even Tesla, I'm voting for sustainable energy and, and, and uh, you know, cars that drive themselves better and, and, and a, a push towards this new future.
0: So is there, there anything coming up on your radar, Eric, that um, you're interested in or events you're going to be going to, anything like that?
1: Well, you know, I, I just... I, I live in an area that's very, there's always stuff, cool stuff going on and I'm really into just checking out all sorts of cool meetups. So I just, uh, I would, uh, I would ask that people, you know, maybe just check out meetup.com and see what's going on in your area. There's always such cool stuff that I can find in my area. And, and even when I live in Orlando, the, the same thing. So I kind of live day by day, uh, and just try to kind of, find cool things and technology that are going on, but, you know, few of the things that I'm definitely looking forward to, and I hate to keep uh, talking about Tesla and solar city, but you know, the, these, these tile roofs and, and the model three, I, I think there's going to be some type of a reveal sometime in the next six months or something. That would be cool. Uh, maybe I can get out to one of those events and get a sneak peek at what that, what my next car might look like. Um, uh, yeah, uh
0: where can, where can we find you about the web? Um are you on Twitter? Uh are you still blogging?
1: You know, I've I've blogged less, but I am in the middle of creating my own kind of blog engine. I I had WordPress and uh, I've been converting it to just like a a .net Aurelia application that works on SQL server and so I can kind of create my own blog kind of own all that uh, infrastructure for my blog myself. And I think at that point I'll start doing some more blogging, but it, oh, and you asked where you can find me. So uh, on Twitter, I'm HTTP junkie, which is an interesting name that I have for Twitter. Um, yeah. That's pretty much the only place I hang out Twitter and LinkedIn and uh, yeah, in my blog, HTTP junkie.com. You might find some stuff there, but I'm in the middle of redoing that. So Maybe next time we talk, I'll have a brand new blog with some new posts.
0: Absolutely. I just launched mine in uh, the first week of January here. I saw that. I've got A lot of posts lined up, but uh, very little written. But I hope to have one out uh, after this upcoming weekend. Um, for those uh, listening, I'm not sure when this is going to air 100%. Uh, I don't have my schedule uh, in, set in stone yet. Probably... Uh, near January 20th. We are actually recording on Friday the 13th. So hopefully yeah. everything is going well. We took a risk here uh, for the superstitious. and uh, uh, I am not superstitious
1: at all. Uh, I was born on, fr- not born on Friday the 13th, but my birthday typically falls on Friday the 13th. Uh, and, you know, if there is a 13th Florida hotel, I'm checking in. man. <laughs>
0: I for some reason I know this is way off topic. For some reason, every time I travel, I end up with room 404, which always makes me laugh.
1: Oh, huh. like room not found, right? Yeah, room not found. That's interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it, it's happened more times than not. So I think it's at least I've counted at least three times I've had 404, which as you a should web have developer,
1: printed something out and stuck funny. on the door.
0: <laughs> well, I want to tweet it, but then I don't want people to know what room I'm in. Uh, That's really, you know, the most insecure thing you can do. Yeah. Um, you know, security-wise, I'll I'll take somebody to go. Oh, <laughs> walk into the lobby, order a bunch of drinks, and write your room number on the ticket.
1: <laughs> you know what? I, I have one thing that I, that I really found that was cool, and that maybe you guys should take a look at. Um, let's see if I can find. It. NASA has put together a control. Let me think about this. It is a launch control dashboard made with Angular 1.5, I believe. And if everyone just went and checked this thing out, um, yeah, it's not Angular 2, but you know, this is NASA we're talking about. Um, you can't tell whether, you know, applications are 1.5 or Angular 2, you know, whenever the, the thing's all complete. So, But if you just go, like, search for NASA Ames Research, which is right down the street from my house, which is pretty cool, uh, drive by it every day. But uh, NASA Ames Launch Dashboard, something like that, you'll be able to find this thing in and, it and, and just take a demo through it and look at what these guys are doing and, and know that this is open source software that they're putting out there. And, you know... Maybe that's a cool thing that I can can throw out there and have people look at. It was something I saw the other day, and I just thought it was awesome just playing around with it and looking into the source code. And uh, it's also, you know, I don't use a lot of Angular 2. I I was using Angular 1.5, so uh, getting in there and moving around, I felt kind of at home uh, and understood a lot of the code. But they don't use any external frameworks, I think, uh, and they've kind of taken Angular and kind of made it their own, like, and like how we used to do with Bootstrap, right? We, we we take a version of Bootstrap and we just take all the SAS files and kind of make it our own custom framework and never worry about updating it again. They've, I think they've kind of done that with Angular. And it's, it's just so cool to see something like that come out of NASA.
0: Yeah, I, I have a friend of mine um, who was recently, uh, he worked for us until very recently, uh, Todd Motto. Um, he decided to uh, go off on some new endeavors with his career, but he did a cool uh, blog post that you would enjoy, and I'll share that with you and uh, put it in the show notes as well. Uh, It's on a a similar, um, in similar regards. Uh, It's a, uh, um, it is a Tesla battery charging calculator uh, that he built with Angular 2 Reactive Forms. So I think this is mimicking something that um, he saw online and rebuilt it using Angular as, like, a, a project to write a blog post about. Uh, so that's really cool and uh, fun to check out if you're interested in learning some Angular stuff.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Todd's awesome, man. I mean, he's one of the guys who did the style guys along with John Papa and uh, just really like everything that these guys do. So definitely shoot me over that link. I want to take a look at that.
0: Will do. Uh, we're going to wrap things up and put? Well, we'll put everything in the show notes for you guys and uh thanks for listening and we'll be back with another episode soon we should be back with a teller developer digest after this and um, we've got some great guests lined up for the year so i hope you tune in if you're a fan of the show please share it we could use all the ears we could get Uh, it helps us uh, keep the show going so make sure you share the podcast on twitter and uh, you can find us on itunes and on SoundCloud and you'll find all the show notes on developer.telerik.com Eric thanks a lot for stopping by to to geek out with me and uh, talk about futuristic stuff Uh, it's always fun